The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast. Brought to you by Elecraft. Now, here's your host, Kel Nelson, K4CDN. Welcome back in. It's episode number 82 of the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Uh, we're into three years or so of this, and welcome in. Hope that uh, you enjoy your time here. If this is your first time through, like I said, we've been doing about three and a half or so years. Got a big back catalog we invite you to give a listen to, as well as a couple of spinoff programs, one being the Workbench Show. It airs the opposing Tuesdays as this program. It's a deep-dive technical discussion, building-making type amateur radio show. And launching Thursday, just in a matter of days, the brand-new Field Radio Podcast with John Jacobs. It's going to be cool. I'm really excited about it. And matter of fact, we're going to talk to John here in a couple of minutes on Ham Radio 360. Now, this program is brought to you by sponsors. You heard it there at the very beginning of the program. Main Trading Company, Ellacraft Radio, they've partnered with us to help bring you this program. We're excited about that. And I want to tell you that Main Trading Company is one of the finest places in the country to do business if you're looking for amateur radio equipment. Yeah, they have it all, of course. They have new gear, used gear, and the entire Kenwood line. If you're, like I said, many, many times before, if it's a single band handy talkie or if it's a flagship, humongous, you know, nicer than your wife's car kind of HF radio for your shack, they've got it. And they've got the best prices on the internet and on the planet. So call Richard, Christine, let them know that you're looking for some gear. Let them know that Kel sent you and they will be tickled to help you find the best price on anything Kenwood. That's mtcradio.com. Call them. Let them know you're looking for something today. Yes, yeah, so we got a big special announcement this time through the Ham Radio 360 podcast. With me, you've heard him on before. We were talking Aries and emergency communications. His name is John Jacob. He is from the state of Utah. His call is Whiskey 7 Delta Bravo Oscar. John, welcome back in to the 360 show. Thank you very much, Cal. Great to be back on. I got on on that episode and got on with a little bit of Dayton. And so yeah. uh, sounds like it might be a regular with our announcement here. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah, we uh, the the call went out before Dayton, and the conversation happened at Dayton, and uh, it looks like we've birthed another 360 branded type program, and it's going to be John's baby. John's going to be steering the boat on this one. It's going to be Field Radio Podcast, and uh, this is one of the ones, a lot of people may not know this, but when George and Jeremy and I sat down in, at uh, Dayton two years ago, and they pitched an idea of a secondary show. My call was let's do a QRP type portable operations show, and they were more into the uh, the smart guy show, you know, the deep tech thing, and uh, that was the birth of the workbench. And so a year later, lo and behold, here we are getting ready to launch a QRP field radio show. John, what do you have in mind for this program? What's been going on through your head as you've been kind of ramping up and getting ready to launch this thing? Well, when we first uh, met at Dayton, my idea was uh, an MCOM, Aries, Racy's deep dive into that world. But then I kind of took a step back, especially going around Dayton Dayton and watching and seeing everything that's available out there. And I started thinking, you know, uh, Aries and MCOM is is a result of field radio. Um, it's it's what you do with your equipment, but why not take a step back even further and get a bigger view and say, let's look at taking your equipment out of your shack and putting it in the field, uh, because that always adds a layer of complexity. Uh, and some people find that it's actually more enjoyable of a hobby to be in the field versus in the home. And so that's where we kind of thought about uh, doing a field radio podcast where where we really the first 10 episodes really dissect uh, radios, batteries, laptops, antennas, accessories, all with the eye towards uh, you're going to put this in the field for whatever purpose. Uh, it might be your contesting or soda or uh, MCOM or your Aries group or whatever you want to do or special event uh, work. And so really take a look and, and take the opportunity to uh, dissect, I guess, this part of the hobby. Yeah, that's one of the things that is kind of 
um, could be intimidating to folks who are coming in and, and kind of wanting to try that end of the, the spectrum, uh, even with me. I mean, I've been doing the podcast for three years. I've got plenty of contacts I can make if I have questions and need answers for something. But there's still sometimes it's like, wow, do I really just throw a wire up in a tree or do I really need 100 watts when I'm out on the trail or, you know, is it realistic for me to do PSK 31 portable? <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm really excited to, to have you join us here now. And, and guys, this is the coolest thing. It's going to be the Thursday following this show. That's right. We're shooting for the launch on the 13th. So you're listening here on the 11th and we'll be launching around the 13th, which is going to be totally cool. And uh, there's nothing like having a lot of ham radio podcasts to listen to. And, of course, we've been going weekly now with the workbench over a year with, with George and Jeremy. Now we're going to be adding the field radio podcast into the same week as the 360 show, and it will be followed by the Deep Tech show, The Workbench. So welcome into the family, man. We're just really excited to have you here and just really looking forward to what you're going to put together for us. I know that you've spent a lot of time. I mean, you've been a ham for, for quite a few years and your dad was a ham. Your dad is a ham yeah. and your My grand dad is a ham. Yeah. And your granddad was a ham. Yeah. So it, it's been in our blood since 1956. Wow. Wow. So you guys have, you know, been there, done that, have a couple of t-shirt kind of a thing. Plenty of event t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we don't want to do, we don't want to spill out too much here as we get ready to to launch the program in just a matter of days. But uh, you, you said the first ten shows you've already kind of got laid out and you, you've you've kind of painted a picture in your mind what you're looking to do. Is this going to be an interview type show? Is this a John uh, with his opinions and experiences? How are you going to set the program up? I think uh, it, it'll, it'll probably evolve as we go. Uh, initially, what I want. Uh, the first eight or 10 episodes somewhere is I really want that to be a go-to like a reference or an evergreen uh, that has uh, when someone wants to talk about battery in the field uh, it's a, it's a show that's got some interviews blended in with uh, some, some monologues, I guess. Uh, one thing I want to do is, is if you're in the Aries or races or MCOM world is, is when you have your net weekly nets, there's always a training item and I've been doing training items for my local nets for, for quite a while now. And so I kind of got a library of that. So probably one of my segments is just going to be my training item uh, for the week. And it'll be something that uh, will provide the text document and people can take that back to their regular Aries group and maybe, in, in, you know, improve on what I've said and, and uh, use that uh, to propagate out uh, some of these ideas. Well, that's cool. I, I just, before we began recording this program, I was involved in our local Aries net. I really wasn't looking for a position and uh, I, I'm involved now. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, you do this podcast and you have all these smart people on your show. So everybody thinks that you're the smart person. But once you really listen to the program, like, go back and listen to the show. I'm the one asking the dumb questions, right? So uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you'll be providing that. Uh, you know, is it, is it just batteries? Is it just you know, operating at, at the campground or is this going to be uh, one week you're talking about working in your local EOC and, and doing wind link kind of stuff? I mean, give us a little taste of what we can expect. Well, there's a, there's a lot of experience out there and that's really where I hope the, the listeners uh, will come forward and say, uh, you know, we're doing this uh, with our Aries group or uh, we're doing this special event this way and this is how we manage a, a special event. And so once we get past those initial getting you set up for field operations, uh, that's where I hope the show goes is I would like to take a, a look at, uh, you know, and, and I've heard some on other podcasts and they've been really informative about how uh, down in California, the, the groups handle uh, their, you know, they have actual disasters quite often. Yeah. Or, or hearing about uh, some marathons back east and how they, they operate. And so that's what I'm hoping for is it becomes, a, after the setup episodes, it becomes a dialogue that, that we can all start sharing and, and providing information. And it might just be contesting. Uh, in a, and, of course, the biggest contest of all, Field Day, uh, we'll, we'll definitely do a very big ramp up to that, uh, multiple shows, getting ready for field day, and then uh, after field day, doing some some after action like uh, George and Jeremy just did. You know, a lot of people may be like, oh, that's not my thing. I'm not into emergency communications. Or someone else may be saying, man, I'm I'm really not into going out in the woods with my radio and 
you know, toting a battery with me. I hear, I, I hear you saying both of those things at the same time. So it's not just a, a man pack green radio kind of show. And it's not just an Aries guy sitting in an EOC. It's, it's virtually operating outside of your shack. You're going to talk about it and feature it. Correct. We're going to, we're going to stay at that high, high level that, uh, we're just going to assume very few things. One, you're not sitting in uh, commercial power and, and commercial air conditioning. And, uh, you don't have, you may or may not have access to Google. <laughs> so that's, that's where we're going to take it because I, I learned that really fast the field day trying to set up my, my logging software. I'm like, Oh, if I could just Google this question right now, <laughs> I could get this thing running. And so that's really where we want to take it is, is, and, and there's a draw that is a natural draw for, I think all of us to be outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something in our, our, it's, it's in our DNA or our persona that, uh, we, we gravitate to the outdoors and, and maybe it's just that you're out camping and once you get set up and you get the dinner on, you finally realize, Hey, I actually have some time, but I can do something. Uh, I don't have to go out and mow the lawn or, uh, so why don't I uh, take my radio with me and just get a little radio time in be before dinner. Yeah. So I, I tried that on July the 4th with the KX2 and the, uh, the new chameleon antenna. And I just, I was sweating more than I was making contacts and I came back in the house. Yeah. It's, I'm a fall and spring and winter guy. I'm not a summer. I, I don't know how I've lived here my entire life and still I don't appreciate the warm weather. I guess it's because I've never maybe lived in Utah, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's one of those things that, that I'm really interested in all of that. Uh, I really want to get out and play radio and, and to make it happen outside and I've done that in the past, you know, here in the yard with the TS-50 and whatever. Uh, but, but I've never really gotten serious about it. And this is one of the things, one of the reasons I'm really excited about your show is because just like I'm not really the workbench builder kind of guy, but that show has helped me progress through some things that uh, I was curious about and wanted to, to know more about. So since that's happened, I'm anticipating the same thing, learning through your program and your experiences about getting on the air outside of the shack. Yeah, and that's that's the fun thing is, is we all know that ham radio is magical and and we can have someone sit down with us in our our house and say, you know, look how we're able to talk maybe just over the mountain or around the world just just on this technology and there's nothing in between you and I. Uh, but you take that out on the field and it just becomes, you know, even more magical. Um, my friend Chris, uh, he has a a F10 or FT857D and a chameleon mill whip antenna. He's up at a scout camp in our high UN mountains here, uh, makes a 6,800 mile contact with new Caledonia <laughs> at a campground on 20 meters at night on a whip on a whip <laughs> with some ground wire. Wow. Now that that's just like, that's a, that's journal entry time there. That's amazing yeah. that you, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You can do it in your home. But you're seeing up in the woods where you don't even have a cell phone connection and you're talking to New Caledonia and they and all the boys were sitting around the radio and all of them were trying to reach for their phone so they could Google where New Caledonia was. <laughs> and they couldn't. So they had to ask him. Yeah. You know, and he, he's in the South Pacific. And, and that's just that's that's the magic of a radio. And, and that's when you get the spark, especially with the youth, uh, when they can see something like that happen. Uh, and I wish I could get that far. I haven't gotten that far of a DX contact. My my farthest mobile has been Hawaii. Well, that's not that's not close either. I mean, that's a, that's a no. nice contact for you for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we're going to take a break, John. We'll be back in just a moment. We're talking about the brand new release of the brand new show. It's the Field Radio Podcast. It's happening this Thursday, the thirteenth of July, and we are excited about it. John's going to be hosting it. We're going to be talking more about his show. Coming up, stick around right here. You're listening to the Ham Radio 360 Podcast. One of the coolest jobs that I know about right now belongs to my buddy Gerald, KF5JNU. You've heard him here on the program before. Spent some time with him on the phone just the other day. He was telling me about going up in the airplane for his job, and uh, he, he spends time... Uh, his job is radio communications related. I really can't say any more than that, but I can tell you this when you're at 28,000 feet, you can hear a lot of stuff and you know what he's up there using? That's right, folks. His air spy, (laughs) he's in an airplane, 28,000 feet above ground. 
and he's got his air spy connected to his laptop listening taking pictures screenshots it's amazing what it'll do at 28,000 feet. Let me tell you, it's amazing what that SDR will do right here on the farm. Check out airspy.us for SDR radio and components. Yeah, there's not just the dongles. They sell everything you need to get to listening with SDR radio. It's airspy.us. All right, we're back with John. It's Carlos Whiskey 7, Delta, Bravo, Oscar. We are anxiously awaiting the release of his new podcast, Ham Radio 360 Podcast. That's right. It's Field Radio Podcast. Totally stoked about it. There's a tab now on the Ham Radio 360 site. You click that one, takes you to the show stuff there as well. There'll be an outside outside web page that you can visit as well. John, what is the, what's the web address, the URL that you're using for the show? So we're going to be right at the hamradio360.com site. Because uh, that just has a wealth of information, and so we're just going to say go to hamradio360.com and uh, hit that hit that field uh, radio link. Uh, we're also going to be on uh, we're on Twitter, okay. so I'll start I'll start doing some tweeting, uh, and that's at field radio pod <laughs> because you can't get any more letters in. And then uh, we're gonna have, we're gonna run some Facebook, um, and so that'll be on. Uh, you can find that on just at field radio podcast. Cool. Uh, because Facebook allows you more characters. Yeah, yeah. And as well, you're on the contact page now for Ham Radio 360, and they can email you at john at hamradio360.com. Yeah, and that's where we're looking for we're looking for show ideas. We're looking to crowdsource this show. I want to, uh, you know, just bring on people that are have some experience and, and a story to tell. You've done such a great job with that with the 360 podcast. Uh, You've really learned this this hobby by, by by just listening to other people's experiences. Well, you know, the thing about it is, is that we've all got someone we probably consider a you know an Elmer, a mentor. Uh, but you know, after listening to eighty some odd episodes of the three hundred and sixty show, just for instance, you've got eighty some odd Elmers that are very specific to a very specific thing. You know, I mean, I could ask my Elmer, Hey man, can you help me with APRS? And they're, they look at you like you got three heads, you know, that was 1984. We don't do that anymore. Kind of a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, finding Kenneth was like a godsend. And, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way about all the different guests we've had and how they've spoken into their hobby, their parts of the hobby. That's, that's really cool. And thank you for the compliment there. But that is one of the things that I really wanted to do with this program. And I'm excited that you're going to be doing the same thing as well there on the field radio show is to learn from everyone else. Now you and your dad have been involved. Like you said, you guys, your family goes back to the fifties as ham, ham radio operators. Um, give me just a little taste of what your grandfather was into when he was into the hobby. So my grandfather, uh, and he that he originally had the call uh, W7DBO. He started in '56 with N7DBO because that's when back when the novices would have a different call. Mm. Uh, so he got his call, and uh, then my dad uh, WA7ZBO ZBO. Uh, he he got into the hobby um, after that, and and so I grew up uh, in in the hobby, running around at field day, running around at, at local events. And then I could just never get past the code. Uh, I tried at many ham fests, uh, taking that five words per minute. And, uh, so man, the minute they dropped that code, <laughs> I was there. Um, so, and ironically now I really want to learn code. I want to get a KX two, but I, I think I want to get the KX two as a reward for, uh, learning Morris code. Nice. So that's that's kind of my goal right now, and I want to, and I'm a general class licensee, and so I got to get my extra too. But uh, that's gonna that's gonna come along too. But so we, so I grew up in the in the hobby, and my my dad did a lot of work in uh, you know Aries or before there were Aries, and a lot of state um, state emergency response, and so uh, it kind of been in the life. But my grandpa, he was a CW guy, um, and I remember in his. In his in where he lived out in uh, Erda, Utah, he had a wall full of QSL cards that were in these special holders, and they were just layers and layers and layers thick. Uh, he was an AM CW guy, eighty meter, um, you know, from what I remember of him, and and he he literally had a shack that sat at the base of his antenna, and he would go out there and and fix radios, and he he was retired army. Uh, so he's a world war two vet and he was a radio technician for world war two. So 
so yeah, it, it started with my grandpa and, and it, it led me to where I am today. Is your dad involved in the MCOM Aries thing like you are? Yeah, he is. He's more involved in that than I would say. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if he's, you know, he's done some contesting, but yes, he, he really is into uh, the MCOM. He, he was the first uh, back when there weren't cell phones. He was the first in our area to step up and say, you know, why don't we use ham radio operators for uh, this March of Dimes event or this, this marathon. And so, so he's been in the, he's an ARL lifetime member. And so he's been uh, really involved in that. And, and with our church, uh, he's involved with uh, helping training uh, operators in that area too. Cool. Cool. Now your dad is, is really big on fox hunting. So I, I guess you would have to say he's, he's nearly a fox hunting celebrity. Is, is that, is that a safe thing to say without him being here to get mad at me for calling him? <laughs> yeah, locally he, uh, he, he's always loved the fox hunt. It's always something you do at, at ham fest. Uh, we went down to, uh, Orlando for hamcation and, and he packed his, his antenna and he was ready to go. And, and unfortunately the, the, the event kind of fell through there, but we were out at Dayton and, and he's out there, you know, of course he, there was kids running full sprints that won. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he loves, he loves a great, uh, fox hunt and he, he loves being tricky about it. We just did a fox hunt at our local Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, Utah, ham fest, Wymu. And, uh, so the one that required driving, he found, uh, you know, those push up poles that you, uh, put a flagpole on. Yeah. Um, yeah, for like uh, NASCAR events or whatever. Mm-hmm. He, he planted one in the front yard, and he found out that you can get a roll-up J-pole to stuff up in that quite nicely. <laughs> uh, so that was the antenna, <laughs> was uh, was a flagpole. And another time, uh, he he went and took the uh, Fox Hunt repeater and put it out at the, at the police academy and just set it next to all the other cars that had antennas on it. And so he, he likes to uh, be pretty tricky where he hides his foxes. Now, he and I talked about coming on having him come on a show and and chat with us now i'm going to go ahead and claim that before you try to get on your show and, and just kind of spill all the fox hunting beans uh I, I really need to get with your dad before he he makes his you know debut over there on on the field radio podcast yeah definitely get him on there because he's got some he's got some good history behind him of of, of that whole hobby and it is a great uh, you know, and that's one thing the fox hunt ties back to so many things. It can tie back to a, a contesting. It can tie back to uh, MCOM. You know, you got some guy talking that doesn't know where they, they are. They just know they're there mm-hmm. and they're stuck. And, and Or it just might come back to some turkey tying up the local repeater uh, and everybody getting out there uh, direction finding and, and figuring out where that's at. So fox hunting is, is kind of a, a – once again, it's, it's wide across the hobby. Yeah, we need to get him on the books. I kind of teased that he's coming. I thought we might have him this time through, but uh, we've, we've got Jambri on the air, the internet on the air, and, of course, the release coming up of the Field Radio podcast here in just a matter of days. So, uh, if you will, tell you that, I'd like to get him scheduled as soon as we can to have oh, him yeah, here. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, John, before we let you go, man, uh, b- besides just I'm excited because uh, I love seeing things like this happen. Uh, had no idea that the workbench would turn into what it would turn into. They said 10 shows to start with. It's 27, 28 now. Uh, I'm excited for you. You know, we're looking for some great things to come out of this program. And uh, just to encourage people to do more with their radios. I, I think that sometimes we kind of get stuck in a rut. You know, when I first got in the hobby, I thought that my thing would be just near vertical instant sky wave, talking up and down the East Coast. Well, I did that in about 30 minutes one day. And uh, then I I made, uh, you know, I I got a JA contact on a random wire. That was really cool. Uh, I played in some contests. I've done some field day stuff. I keep coming back to building up infrastructure here in my local county just because there's really not a whole lot of that outside of repeaters. Uh, But there's just so much that we can do in this hobby. I think that we've We've just started scratching the surface of that with this program, but really excited to where you're going to take us with the field radio show as you get our radios out of the shack. Yeah, there is definitely some untapped knowledge base out there, and you've been able to tap into it, and the workbench has through their show. And so that's what I'm excited about this show is is I'm excited to see who comes forward and uh, provides. Maybe it's just a five-minute story about how they run an event or a go box idea. You know, you look on the, uh, the Facebook and, and you just see all these people building these boxes and they're just great stories behind each one. And so, um, so we're going to kind of dabble in a, a little bit of everything. 
cool, man. Now we're going to get some of the uh, some of the go box ideas that you that you come up with and you use in your comms to go stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I've started uh, uh, 3D printing all my panels, and so as part of that process, I've been kind of documenting my library. And so so as we get into boxes, and hopefully I can get Jeremy and George on the show and and kind of talk about they talked about that in their last episode, kind of really their desire to get back into to finishing their boxes. Uh, so I really want to take the knowledge that I found in the boxes I built. And uh, share that knowledge, and not only that, but share the the 3D printing library. So there might be some crossover with the workbench. Oh my goodness! Uh, and and you know we might end up doing a build together. It sounds like I've just started spinning a web here. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, we're totally stoked about it. We'll have the links to your show in our show notes, of course. I'll be there first episode with you for just a few minutes as you kick it off. I'm I'm just stoked about it, guys. Don't forget, in just a matter of days, it will not be in the normal RSS feed, okay? So you're going to have to uh, find it in your player. We're going to make that as easy as possible. Uh, so you can search in your player, your iTunes, your Pocket Cast, Podcast, Addict, whatever you're using, Overcast, whatever. Just type in Field Radio, and you'll, you should be able to find it there with, without any problems. Of course, we'll have the links in our show notes. And, John, we're just excited for you, man. Can't wait to see it get started, to hear what you've got to say, and hear who you're going to bring in there to help us learn more about the amateur radio hobby outside the shack. Man, thanks for being here with us. All right. Thank you very much. Please subscribe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe, review, and all those cool things. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, John. His call, by the way, is uh, Whiskey 7 Delta Bravo Oscar. And we'll be back here in just a few minutes on Ham Radio 360. So on the most recent episode of the Workbench Podcast, it was a field day follow-up. George and Jeremy talking about what worked best for them. And, and then it got off a little uh, little rabbit trail there talking about portable radios, and George was just completely enamored by his KX2. Still is. He's got the three, he's got the two, and he says the two is the one to use if you're going out and making portable contacts. That's the one I have here. Thank you, Ella Craft. And I'll be using it throughout the summer into the fall as I'm learning about QRP radio. Really excited about that. And it's a great rig. I mean, think about having the power of the HF bands in something about the same size as a, a, a nice a nice paperback book. You're looking for something to get out of your shack with. You want to make some field radio contacts? Check out my friends at Ellacraft.com. It's hands-on ham radio. It's Ellacraft.com. Talking about field radio, how about Boy Scouts and radio? It's still a big thing with them, and we want to welcome into the program Jim Wilson, Kilo 5 November Delta, to chat with us all about scouting and ham radio. It's great to be here with you, Kale, and uh, looking forward to talking to your audience about amateur radio and scouting. You know, we've talked about the uh, Jamboree on the air. We've talked about scouting and radio a couple of times. But this is always a great time to come back and remind our listeners that they 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 have a couple of different ways to help amateur radio grow in the youth today. And one of the best ways, I think, is with the interaction with the Jamboree on the Air and scouting over ham radio. Tell us a little bit about uh, the Jamboree on the Air, when that happens, and what we can expect as operators if we're not going to be actively involved with a local scouting troop. Well, Jamboree on the Air, and now uh, included, is Jamboree on the Internet. It happens the third weekend in October. It's been happening the third weekend in October for 60 years now. This year, that happens to be the 20th, the 21st, and the 22nd of October. So it starts uh, really on Friday. Uh, it starts Friday local time. Uh, it's not like a contest. In fact, it's not about making contacts. It's about conversations. Ideally, it's scout-to-scout conversations, but for the most part, it's conversations with anybody. So we like uh, amateur radio operators to get on the air. Uh, ideally, they're working with a troop uh, or a, a scouting district or a scouting council. Uh, but if that's not possible, we need people on the other end of the conversation as well. So it's get on the air. There are some scout frequencies that are designated. And uh, those can be found k2bsa.net under uh, J 
OTA lists the frequencies, and so uh, that's a good place to go. And then also uh, another good way is tune around the band. Uh, these days, it's probably 20 meters, and listen for high squeaky voices those will be the scouts <laughs> we, we've all been there right i remember those days and and thank goodness that passed now let me give you just a little taste of my experience as a scout um i was up to weeblo and then i i didn't like the brown and green uniforms and that's why i didn't go back but never had any interaction uh, that that i recollect regarding amateur radio and cub scouts and and that may be why but it was kind of a ragtag little group anyway but it always, it always intrigued me as a kid, the radio thing did. So I know that even with the advent of the cell phone in a pocket, toting around a computer that can do more than it took to launch you know, the, the rocket back in the day, um, do you, with your work with scouts, are you seeing a, um, a desire for these young boys, young men to connect this way, or is it, is it, is it like a novelty to them? Yeah, well, it's uh, probably all of those things. It is a novelty to them. I'll I'll mention um, uh, uh, Jambri on the Air and Jambri on the Internet is actually the largest uh, scouting event in the world. It's over a million scouts that get on the air, uh, but it's. It's not all that well known in some parts of scouting in the U.S. Uh, we have, uh, uh, just as one example, we have some ham radio operators approach. Uh, oh, they'll listen to me or somebody else talk about it, and they'll approach councils and uh, say, hey, I want to uh, set up a station, get you guys on for Jambri on the air. And the, the, um, the scouting folks will look at him like, you want to do what? <laughs> it, it's uh, so it's not surprising to me that you didn't uh, experience it when you were in Cub Scouting. But I, I will mention this. Um, at the beginning of 2016, there was a new requirement for the Weeblos uh, uh, Award, and that's attend Jamboree on the Air, Jamboree on the Internet. Wow. So there was this explosion uh, well, minor <laughs> explosion, if you will, but a lot of parents, a lot of scouts were saying, hey, how do I get my son involved in this so that we can check off the requirement? So the, a, a brand new level of interest started happening around it. That's that's very encouraging. And, and actually, it's kind of cool that they're making them do that instead of just pretending or just kind of passing it by. I, I'm really familiar, I guess you would say, because, well, I'm a ham radio operator, so it, it seems to me that Jamboree on the air makes a lot of sense. One of the things that I've never really grasped is the Jamboree on the Internet. What is that about, and how does it relate to the Jamboree on the air? Yeah, I, I've experienced that question myself. I'm, I'm actually on the world uh, uh, Jamboree on the air, Jamboree on the Internet uh, team that uh, that operates the event for the world organization of the scouting movement and I guess maybe um, I'll back up a little bit in the answer to that uh, to that question uh, to uh, emphasize what the goal is for the event uh, the goal isn't about amateur radio it's not about internet it's about connecting scouts and it's about connecting scouts across countries and across different cultures. So it's it's meant to be, hey, I'm living in this big world and there's a lot of different kind of people out there and I can talk to them. And um, so and then the other part of that is that the other the other goal is that they be they start to recognize that they're part of a world scout movement. Uh, and there are lots of uh, youth around the world connected by these uh, these mutual goals. So um, when we when we consider it from that perspective as ham radio operators, we go, wait a minute. What about the radios? <laughs> what about the technology? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and so um, so we tend to look at it through our lens and say, gee, this the, the scouts need to need to use uh, news radios and antennas and all that sort of stuff. Well, it's it's really not the case. It's certainly one of the side benefits. Uh, they uh, connect with amateur. It's the introduction to amateur radio for them within scouting, and they can connect with it. But it's really about reaching around the world. And so 
if you, if you look at it from that perspective and bring the internet into it, that's that's really pretty easy to do. Um, you can post Skype videos. You can use social media. There are some uh, chat uh, channels. Um, uh, Scout Link is an organization that operates chat rooms uh, for scouts, internet chat rooms for scouts to get on and talk with one another. And um, they're moderated. Um, unfortunately, some uh uh, moderation works and some doesn't. I've heard about some b- uh, bad experiences there. Uh, so you do have to, you know, just internet safety kinds of things. But um, and then in the course of the Jamboree weekend, there are a number of activities uh, that you can um, engage in. One of them is called Jam Puzz. It's a it's a bingo type of a game, and you collect numbers from other uh, other scout stations, either on the air or on the internet, and fill out your bingo card. Now, I'll, I'll mention that every country in the U.S. Uh, has its own scout association. And some take uh, Jamboree on the air and Jamboree on the internet very, very seriously. Uh, Netherlands, for example, is one that uh, a huge percentage of their scouting population is involved that weekend. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., uh, not so much. It's, it's improving, but it's still not widely known. So this isn't just what some of us would consider scouting being the Boy Scouts of America, there, there. I know there are other scouting groups out there, and they're invited as well to participate in this event. Oh yes, okay. it's uh, it's the the event itself is owned by the World Organization of the Scout Movement. Uh, their headquarters is in Kuala Lumpur, uh, Malaysia, and they authorize um, scouting in other countries around the world. And they operate the World Jamboree and a few other uh, events as well. But uh, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's scouting in other parts of the world that you're ideally connecting with. I got you. You're from Texas. Is that a correct assumption? Yep, I'm okay. from Texas. So when, when you guys do your Jamboree on the air, are you making contacts, uh, HF, VHF? Uh, how, how are you connecting the scouts just locally when you participate uh, via via radio. Most of my typical participation is is uh, uh, writing heard on social media and things like that, trying to, from the perspective of the world team and uh, my U.S. Uh, operation. But I visited a lot of the operations. Uh, National Scouting Museum uh, used to hold a very big event. Uh, they connected HF. They had HF stations on uh, single sideband uh, PSK was, is popular. That's very popular with the scouts. They they can connect with that mm-hmm. and say, wow, this is just texting. Right. That's what I do. Uh, they tend to lock up a little bit with a microphone. Uh, we call it mic fright. Uh, but if you give them a little bit of a script, once they get engaged, they, they do pretty well with it. But that uh, operation also... Um, had uh, VHF and uh, and UHF. They used repeaters, so they could. Uh, if the HF wasn't working well, they had some connections there. They did some satellite passes as well, which is uh, very popular. In fact, that particular location uh, a couple of times had uh, scheduled contacts with the International Space Station during the Jamboree on the Air, Jamboree on the Internet weekend. It's what you want to set up. One thing that I will mention, the greatest success in operating for Jamboree on the Air, if you if you want to engage the scouts, and is to go where the scouts are. We have a lot of guys, and uh, some of which are successful, that say, hey, we'll open up our ham radio club and we'll invite the scouts in. And the problem with that is everybody's calendar is so busy. Uh, so it's hard for scouts to get there and fit it in. It's not impossible. I've, I've witnessed some of those. They'll have big rushes in the middle of the morning, big rushes in the afternoon, and it's quiet the, the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, ideally, you're working with the scouts to set up a big camporee on the weekend of Jamboree on the Air, and you're set up as a station there, uh, much like field day, and it's one more activity for the scouts to get engaged in, and the scouts are already there, so it, it, it can it can work very, very well that way. 
Excellent, excellent. Now I know that here in in my local area we have a Girl Scout camp that uh, I don't know a whole lot about because I've never been a Girl Scout. But but I'm assuming <laughs> as well. Uh, going back just just to reemphasize this, this is open to the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, and uh, it's it's broad enough for everybody. You know, a lot of us when we think scouting, we're just you know the Little Rascals episode or you know something like that. We get that in our mind. But it's it's really a worldwide interconnected event where we're trying to, like you say, connect these young people in an alternate method potentially than they're used to connecting to each other with. Exactly, and uh, at the broad level, where Girl Scouts are concerned, there they belong to the World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts, and uh, at that level, there's um a memorandum of understanding or an agreement between the World Organization of the Scout Movement and the World Association of Girl Guides, Girl Scouts to cooperate around Jamboree on the Air. So it is open. It is open to Girl Scouts. Nice. Excellent. Well, there's there's a, another opportunity, I guess we, we could call it, to share the magic of ham radio as well. I know locally, mm-hmm. again, we have a, a, a communications trailer for the for our amateur radio club, and they towed it out to a facility where at least one group of scouts come through. And we've had, uh, I've been on the repeater and talked to kids before, which is just like talking to my kids. You know, it's, it's great. It's, I love hearing those young voices on the air. Um, one of the things that, that I've thought about, and you, you mentioned it just a moment ago, is the repeater scene. And maybe, I mean, we've got some time here. It's at the, you know, near the end of October. Maybe this would be a good time potentially for groups to maybe coordinate with another amateur radio club in a particular, you know, a different county or a little different geographical area that you can still communicate with repeaters to kind of set up a potential sked if you have problems with HF that day to not just leave the kids hanging talking to, you know, old catfish over here. Uh, on on his you know armchair station, you could potentially say, okay, Club A will be on this repeater, and if HF goes down the tubes, we'll let the kids talk back and forth on the repeater. Um, is is that does that kind of stuff happen during Jamboree on the air? Oh yeah, it happens that way uh, with uh, with schedules, HF, VHF repeaters, uh, uh, what have you. And I'll also mention it happens uh, just with handy talkies, where uh, they're going through the demonstration station, they're tuning across twenty meters, all they're hearing is noise, and they'll just send somebody with an HT around the corner to talk to the scouts nice. <laughs> through the through another HT. It's uh, they can be very creative, just making those contacts um, because there's also some of them will put on radio merit badge workshops as an example and one of the requirements for radio merit badge is that you uh, you have a 10 minute uh, QSO okay. and uh, that's that it, when all else fails uh, pull out the handy talkies and make it happen that way wow we're, we're talking uh, jamboree on the air jamboree on the internet with, uh, with Jim Wilson, his call is Kilo 5 November Delta. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back in just a moment. You are listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Again this year, you hear the reports coming in from field day for folks operating from dusk till dawn over a course of virtually two days. The ICOM IC7300 continues to prove itself as a winner. I'm telling you guys, it is probably one of the nicest, most affordable radios right now. Whether you're a beginner ham or you've been around a long time, if you're looking for something to get yourself on the air, maybe you're a brand new licensed general class licensee, you, you want to reward yourself, check out the IC7300. My friends down at Main Trading Company, mtcradio.com, will give you the best prices available. That's right. Call Richard. Let him know. You heard about him here on the show. MTCRadio.com. Pick up your ICOM IC7300 today. And we're back with Jim. His call again. Kilo 5 November Delta. You know, I've got to ask you again, going back to my days, this has been, I'm thinking, close to 35 plus years ago as I was a scout. I never did the radio merit badge, which is kind of funny. And my dad was a phone man. We probably could have done it pretty simply if we would have just tried. But what's where's the radio merit badge at nowadays? 
Yes. Um, well, it would have been a, quite a bit different back 30 years ago. There would have been a Morris code requirement. Mm. And I, I think it was uh, might have been 10 words per minute uh, at that time. <laughs> it could have been five uh, way, way back. It started actually in uh, 1918 as the wireless merit badge. So pretty nifty name that actually still fits. Um <laughs> But in, or maybe it was 1914, yeah, I think that might have been 1914 it started as wireless merit badge and then uh, became radio merit badge in the 20s. But I went, I asked the uh, statistical department back at Boy Scouts to, you know, how many people are earning this badge? And they were able to go back through, uh, through 1949. And it was a, typically between 700 and 1,000 we're earning it every year. Wow. And I kind of expected it to uh, be tapering off, maybe losing some interest. But what happened instead was in the early 90s uh, when uh, Morse code started being dropped uh, from um, from licensing and et cetera, they dropped that requirement as well for the uh, radio merit badge. And so it started climbing. And now it is in the six and 7,000 range every year. That's incredible. So, yeah. So that's that was really nice to see and uh, to, to discover. And then what I also discovered is that from the perspective of a scout, there are only two kinds of merit badges. Uh, the first kind of merit badge are those badges that are required for the Eagle Scout rank. The second type are easy merit badges. <laughs> <laughs> and, and radio merit badge, frankly, is an easy merit badge. In, in fact, I'll mention that uh, the Jamboree is coming up on the 19th of this month. We teach the radio merit badge there. We typically get three, uh, our goal, 300 to 400 through we start the class every hour on the hour. Uh, so a scout that shows up and is interested doesn't have very long to wait. They spend 90 minutes in a classroom, uh, 30 minutes in front of a radio, another 90 minutes in the classroom, and they finish the radio merit badge. So in really less than four hours, they can earn the radio merit badge. Uh, typically at a local scout council, it's it's a day uh, day class or, or they might do uh, a spread over uh, several evenings. I'll also mention, Kale, that we've uh, uh, recently updated the uh, the requirements for the badge. Uh, we had some things in there like uh, some circuitry and uh, I component identification that was uh, better, was already in the electricity and electronics merit badges. So we dropped that so we could spend some more time with modulation and explaining modulation. We also talk about cell phones, about that's a radio you've got in your pocket. How does that work? Why doesn't it work uh, <laughs> during disasters and why ham radio can come into play? And then I'll also mention there are four or there used to be just three options for completing it, three uh, uh, special areas of study, if you will. One of them uh, is amateur radio and another one was shortwave listening. And another one is uh, radio broadcasting. So you could select one of those three. And our impression is that most of them selected uh, amateur radio because that's uh, uh, the easiest one. But uh, at the beginning of 2017, we added a fourth. We added uh, amateur radio direction finding or fox hunting uh, to it. So, yeah, which... To, to my mind, is a perfect match with scouting. It's outdoors. You've got an antenna in your hand, and you're running through the woods. <laughs> How much better could it be? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it may be even easier to read than a compass. You know, I'm just just <laughs> that's, saying. That's right. I remember that day of the uh, the compass class. Boy, that was tough as a, as a little kid. Before we get out of here, I want to uh, I want to ask you about the jamboree coming up in just a matter of weeks uh, that you're going to be teaching these classes at. Uh, tell us a little bit about that before we go. 
Sure. Well, and and also I realize there's a couple of things that have changed uh, within scouting regarding amateur radio that uh, you wouldn't be aware of either. We've okay. we've actually introduced uh, two new uh, patches. And uh, if you're familiar with scouting, you know that nothing happens without a patch. Yeah. Uh, so these two new patches are really pretty cool. One of them is the Morris Code interpreter strip. And uh, there are interpreter strips that a scout or a leader can wear on their uniform. Now, typically... On that strip, it says Espanol or, it, it, you know, one of the languages. It can even say American Sign Language. Hmm. And there's a, there's some uh, tests that you need to uh, to do to, to verify that you can speak, say, uh, Spanish. And you sew that on your uniform, and a scout can see that at a gathering and go, oh, hey, here's somebody that can help me out. I'm not understanding what's being said. They know uh, Spanish. Maybe they can help me out. Mm-hmm. Well, we the there's the National Radio Scouting Committee uh, approached the awards and insignia committee at the Boy Scouts and said, we think you need a ham radio patch there. Mm-hmm. After all, it's kind of a different language, isn't it? Uh, and um, they considered it for a few weeks and sent us back a note and said, well, we thought about it, but ham radio really isn't a language. Uh, we, then we said, wait a minute, what about Morse code? Let's go back and look at your application. And no, it didn't mention anything about Morse code. So no, this isn't approved. <laughs> about 30 minutes later, they had an application for a Morse code interpreter strip. <laughs> And about an hour later, they approved it. Um, so it's five words per minute. Uh, and it follows the same requirements that uh, any of the other languages uh, uh, require. Uh, it's uh, sending a message, receiving a message, and those sorts of things. Um, and it, it's uh, in the same language uh, that you would expect it to be. It's in dots and dashes, and it spells out Morris. And if you have five words per minute, you can sew that on your uniform. Oh, that's excellent. That is and really it gener- cool. Yeah, it generated a huge amount of interest at the beginning. It was uh, second only to Espanol in the uh, number of uh, uh, patches that were sold. Uh, also mention, though, that we eventually got approved that original request, and there's the amateur radio operator rating strip, and that goes on one of the sleeves of the uniform, and if you have a license, you can sew it on your uniform. And so um, what that set up for us is Jamboree on the Air is an introduction to amateur radio. Some of the scouts get interested. Some of them go, well, I don't know. Um, But those that get interested start considering the Radio Merit Badge. So once they take the Radio Merit Badge, it's another similar investment of time to get that technician license. And all along the way, they have a patch that they can show sew on to their uniform. Uh, There's a Jamboree on the Air patch, there's a Radio Merit badge, and now there's an amateur radio operator rating strip that they can sew on as well. So it works pretty slick. Yeah, and it's not like you're not giving them an excuse to participate because I remember those days and those patches and strips were, that was like gold to a young man. Exactly. Very much so. Excellent. Excellent. So give me the dates again, if you will, for Jamboree on the Air and Jamboree on the Internet that's coming up in October. Yeah, it's the always the third weekend in October, and this year it's the 20th, 21st, and the 22nd, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Excellent. And if we're a, a local group or a, a local operator, would it be best to just contact our local council? Or if you're, you're in church with a scout leader, do you, is it just an easy approach like that? Or is there a, an application? What's the best way for us to contact someone to offer ourselves to help for Jamboree on the Air? The very best way is to check with your ham radio club. What are they doing? They may already be doing something. Um, next is, uh, do you do you have uh, do you know somebody who, who's engaged in a, a scout troop? That's a much easier entry of working with a scout troop, uh, maybe getting your club involved, uh, helping them with a campery or something like that. That can be much more of a, a personal connection. Uh, I, I do hear from a lot 
lot of uh, uh, ham radio operators that try to reach out to a council. Now, a council, for example, uh, here uh, here where I'm at in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we have the Dallas Council that's, that's, and the Fort Worth Council. They're massive operations. And so you t- knock on their door, and sometimes they'll know what you're talking about, and sometimes they won't. Um, and, and it's really hard to make the connections. And I'll also s- say that we, we have a calendar on the website. The go-to website is k2bsa.net. Um, lots of resources for Radio Merit Badge, for Jamboree on the Air, etc. cetera, uh, or scouting.org slash J-O-T-A. Uh, another excellent resource uh, for Jamboree on the Air. But um, uh, we have a calendar on there that starts in January. And a big event is in May when they're planning their fall campouts and you want to line up that camp out with Jamboree on the air, Jamboree on the internet weekend. So as we get here into, into the, into the summer scouting is actually, even though they're going to summer camp, it's, it's somewhat slow and and the fall really starts kicking it off. But, uh, uh, ideally reach out to a troop. That would be your, your, or, or, or a pack, uh, a troop or a cub scout pack. Excellent. And, you know, if you're one of those guys that just doesn't like your, your own grandkids, this is probably not going to be your cup of tea uh, <laughs> because it's, you know, 15 or 20 kids who, uh, who aren't your, you know, yeah. So <laughs> if, if you don't like kids, jamboree on the air is probably not your thing, I guess is what I'm trying to say in a very politically correct way. So it's, it, to me, it's one of the coolest ways for us to share ham radio, especially with those, uh, those out there that we think are never going to have an interest in this hobby. Here is the best way for us to kind of plug them in. Very much so. And I'll, I'll just mention there, um, it's, I call it planting seeds. Um, sometimes they're going to grow right away. Uh, you can see those scouts. Their hair catches on fire. You can't get rid of them. They're in the station. They want to just be on the air all the time. There's others that will just go, well, whatever. And there's some uh, that, that don't want to be engaged at all. But – it's still planting seeds. Um, 10, 20, 30 years from now, they'll go, hey, I've got some time finally. I'm through college. I'm, my career is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of there. Uh, I need a hobby. Hmm. And they'll start looking at it. Or, uh, I like this one too, they'll be sitting on the board of your homeowners association and you'll be asking if you can put up an antenna. There and they'll go. go, wait a minute, I remember ham radio. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, that, you know, they're not, actively involved they don't necessarily want to be but at least they know what it is yeah and and it does have so many resourceful uses in in everyday life in emergency situations and just a fun hobby and a great service as well so jim thank you for all that you do to help keep this going for the scouting community and of course thank you for being here with us on the ham radio 360 podcast Oh, you're welcome. And let me mention some another uh, opportunity that's coming up sure. on the 19th of July. Uh, the National Scout Jamboree will be on the air uh, from the Summit Bechtel Reserve in West Virginia. Uh, there'll be about uh, 30 or 35,000 scouts there. Another 9,000 staff members running the operation. It's a huge, huge deal. The K2BSA station will be on the air. Uh, we have 40 staff members that are uh, running that station. We will get 3,000 scouts through that. And the, at the 2013 Jamboree, it happens every four years, that's the number that went through our demonstration station or introduced amateur radio. So what we need is people on the other side of the conversation. Uh, so uh, get on the air. There's a lot of resources online. We'll be publishing our frequencies live. We'll be do- posting some videos. We actually have a contact with the International Space Station scheduled, so you'll be able to, to watch that. Um, lots of things happening around the National Scout Jamboree, and we could use you on the air on the other side of that conversation talking about what it was like when you went through the Radio Merit Badge. And, and give me the date for that one more time. It's uh, July 19th through the 27th. Excellent. Okay. Visitors are welcome. And I, I can send you a link to the, the visitor thing. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, we appreciate you being here with us, Jim, and thank you again for your work with the scouting community and spreading the magic of ham radio. Oh, you betcha. Happy to do that. Thanks so much for hosting me, Kale, and uh, delighted that we could uh, present more information for your audience. And I know I know many of them are already engaged in Jamboree on the air and teaching Radio Merit Badge. But for those who aren't, come on in. Get started. So thanks to John. Thanks to Jim, both of you guys, for coming on. John, we're really excited about your show. Again, it launches on Thursday. Find the links in our show notes to get yourself prepared to take that show in. In any of your podcast players, it should be showing up already already now. You can find it. Just look and, uh, look under Ham Radio or type in Field Radio. You'll find it there. Uh, John, congratulations and good luck with your new show. We're, gonna, we're excited to be there with you, my friend. Jim, thank you very much for sharing with us about Jamboree on the air and the big Jamboree coming up in just a matter of weeks. We're excited to make contacts with those young men and women as they get on the air. And guys, it's another great example of what we can do as amateur radio operators to encourage the newer generations, the younger generations, to find their place in the hobby. You know, it uh, may not have been how we got started, but it's not necessarily the worst way to encourage youth to get on the air. So again, thank you both. Again, a big shout out to all of our patrons who have signed up to support the program at patreon.com. There's a link there on the on our on our site. It's a it's like an orange circle with the letter P in it. Thank you for supporting. Click it if you'd like to be a part of that. Thank you very much for helping keep the program going here. Again, don't miss out the Field Radio Show this Thursday and then next Tuesday. We've got another Workbench episode. Always a great time here at HamRadio360.com. Love hearing from you. Thank you so much for listening. God bless every one of you in 73, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Brought to you by Main Trading Company, Paris, Texas. And by Elacraft.com, hands-on ham radio. To learn more about the show, visit our website, hamradio360.com. 73s, y'all.